fish on. And welcome back to another episode of Hunger for the Outdoors. I'm Zach. I'm Melissa. Connor. I'm Michaela. And this Hi. week we have a special guest, Tyler. So Tyler, tell us a little bit about yourself. Say I'm from Utah, born and raised. I've been hunting my whole life. I earliest memories of hunting, I was uh, on my grandpa's back in a little backpack out hunting rabbits to getting older chasing grouse and rabbits of my own, a lot of dove hunting. Uh, got into duck hunting, big game hunting as I got older. And it's only created a bigger addiction and here we are now. Awesome. Well, we invited uh, Tyler on the episode today because we want to talk a little bit about uh, duck boats and different yeah, and different uh, setups. And Tyler here is probably one of the best guys I know for that. Tyler, you you uh, flip boats, right? You buy them, improve them, and sell them. Yeah, I mean, I started small with you know little boats that I could find, ran them. Some I ran for a couple years, and then flipped onto my next and just get better and better quality of boats kind of like people do with cars you hear about it all the time they'll buy a cheap car fix it up sell it for a little more and just keep upgrading until they have what they want awesome and what you know having hunt, hunted both sides with a boat without a boat what, what do you think are the uh, perks and benefits of having a boat so I mean I've walked duck hunting and I've taken a boat and I I believe you know like it's just like big game hunting you, the farther away from people you are, the farther out you are, the better it is. I don't like sitting shoulder to shoulder with people on dikes. I've watched people fight over birds on dikes, and Buddy's dog got attacked by another dog on a dike before. Man, I, I like to be away from people. I like to have a nice section to myself, not have to worry about what the next guy's doing. So it just makes it easier. Well, not only that, but when you get away from the other people, that's where the birds go when people start shooting yeah when that pressure hits they like to move out they like to you know be out away from people I I'm not a fan of like calling I use whistles I'll call every so often but a lot of birds especially that I've seen in Utah are call shy so I always try to be out away from people and I always run something different I don't like to run you know you see everyone running mojos I got probably six or seven mojos I leave them at home now I don't take them what uh, what is your setup when you go home? Uh, it just depends on if we're hunting divers, if we're hunting puddlers, got geese mixed in. Just depends on what we're doing, where we're going. For swan hunting, just all depends. Let's say an average day for mallards, because I know that generally, I mean, as far as we know, most of our listeners are like us, and we hunt mallards most of the time. So, what's your general setup for mallards? Mallards and puddlers and that, I usually just run two two and a half dozen sometimes you know three just depending on what what spot i'm hunting and yeah just that and my go-to is a jerk cord that's i do not leave home without it, it gives good motion i've got a few ripplers every once in a while I'll throw in just depending on weather that's weather is a big factor of how much i run how less i run i mean i went out i went out to a little channel that was running through the marsh I knew of that wasn't even froze but everything else was and I ran six decoys so it really comes down to where you're hunting and just knowing kind of what 
birds hold in there and how they hold in there it really helps. How did you get that experience to uh, to know what to use in what conditions? So I uh, I grew up duck hunting with my uncle. He he was one of the better duck hunters I've ever seen. Never talked to. He knew he knew a lot, and so I was lucky enough lucky enough to learn you know different tips and tricks stuff like that. And he kind of showed me the ropes, taught me there. And unfortunately, he doesn't duck hunt as much as he used to, but still fun to get out with him when I can. And what's your rig right now? I mean, what, what gun are you using? What bullets you use? So right now I'm shooting an H&R XL Auto. I'm getting ready. This summer I want to upgrade to a Benelli Super Black Eagle 3. That's my, that is my favorite gun out there right now. I, Beautiful gun. I'm in love with it. And then shells, I shoot just experts. That's cheap, easy. And I've killed everything from swans to ducks with them. So. And what size? I shoot three inch BB for bigger birds and then ducks. It don't really matter. Whatever I can find. There you go. Especially towards the end of the season, you can't find anything for shells. That is true. Walmart's pick clean. Bellas is pick clean. They're all pick clean. So I'll be ordering a few cases for next year, probably next few weeks. Awesome. And uh, tell us about your boat right now. So right now I'm running a 1650 low with a 35 horse Mud Buddy Longtail. All right. That's, it's been a pretty good boat. We've taken it down some super shallow stuff, probably stuff we shouldn't be. Airboat guys are looking at us like we're crazy, but I mean, we're still getting out there. We're still shooting limits and having a good time. So for, you know, I don't know really anything about boats, all those specs that you just lifted, listed off, what are, what are all those mean? So 16 is the length, 50 is how wide it is, so it's 16 feet by 50 inches. So it's a pretty good sized boat, I mean, now my next boat will be bigger, that's it all, it just comes down to preference, what you're doing, where you're hunting, I mean I've owned a 12 foot boat, I've owned a 14 foot boat, now I'm on a 16 foot boat. Uh, size really doesn't matter. It just depends on where you're going, what you're hunting. I uh, I always find myself in scary situations. I don't don't always go by the smartest calls. So I ended up buying a bigger boat because we were hunting a lake for geese and got stuck out on two foot swells in a 14 foot boat. It wasn't fun. Oh wow! Yeah, no, his boat is a lot of fun. He took uh, Michaela and I out there this last season and. We took that thing probably through 200 yards of thick, thick fragments. I, mean, yeah. I don't think I'd want to walk through it. it was no, so it uh, definitely was an interesting one. I was kind of, we were just looking for swans really, getting ready for the swan hunt, figured we'd see how we'd do on some birds. And I hadn't hunted that spot in probably three years and it was all overgrown. And sometimes to find a way, you gotta make a way. <laughs> Exactly right. certainly made a way, that's for sure. Made a new trail for everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> so, if they're gutsy enough to take it. <laughs> yeah. I got shallow. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what you're writing now. What did you start out with? What was your first boat? So my first boat was a homemade, uh, it was a, what was it? It was a 12 by 50. It was just a little boat. I mean, it was a good boat. We did, but we bow fished out of that one more than anything. And it, I only took it on like one, maybe two duck hunts. And we just converted over a little weed whacker into the motor just to push us around. I mean, we were a 
think at that age I was, what was that? Probably 14 when I had that. And then once I got my license and started driving, I stepped up to a 1432 Crestliner modified V. And that was just a little 14 horse tie Predator kit on it. Well, the tie shaft with the Predator motor. That's worked pretty good, got me around everywhere I needed to go. I don't know if you remember this or not, but uh, <clears throat> when Tyler and I took us out on his boat, he gave us some pretty good advice with uh, getting your own boat, acquiring your own boat. Do you remember what it was? Uh, ring, ah, doesn't ring a bell. What, what did I say? It was something along the lines of, don't buy the boat fully assembled, buy all the parts and put it together. Yeah, that's, especially here in Utah, it blows my mind, like, what boats go for. It's unreal. What you can buy here in Utah for... 20 grand you can find a lot cheaper back east if you look online. I'm on a lot of forum pages online for mud, uh, mud buddies and uh, mud motors and stuff like that. And blows my mind what boats go for out there and then you come here in Utah and they're through the roof. It's like our truck market right now. It's it's crazy. So I, I've always kind of found just little boats. You know, my cousin's done the same. We find boats that, you know, just a need a trailer and a motor or sometimes they have a trailer and need a motor you can find better deals that way and I mean you can get light bars and whatnot for good pricing and put it all together and rock and roll with that yeah so how do you conceal your boat when you're out duck hunting it really depends is so one thing I, I keep in my boat even if I'm not going to use it it is in my boat is a marsh tool that's, I love it, won't leave home without it. I'll leave one in there. Birds aren't landing by the boat or there's not good enough concealment. Like when I took Connor out this year, I hadn't really hunted that spot yet. I didn't know what to expect. So we uh, we drove the boat out there and it wasn't tall enough rags to hide the boat in. And I didn't have my blind on the boat at the time. So we uh, ditched the boat, just walked out a little bit and just set up on some chairs. And what do you use for a blind? On a blind, we usually just make them, make our own. We have, I uh, can't remember the name of the grass that we use to grass in, but just depending on what kind of piping we find. This year we ran conduit and some canopy hinges, get a kit online, kind of made one work, but we went with the heavier grade plastic and once it got cold and they didn't hold up too well, so I'm gonna redesign the blind this year and go from there see what we can't come up with awesome awesome you were telling us what we were talking before we started they got a couple layouts sitting in your boat right now why don't you tell us about those so yeah we uh we switched over to layout boats this year my cousin had a boat and we had two two duck boats and usually we hunt together that's one thing is me and him try to go out as much as we can together so it's fun hanging out with family and good friends out hunting so me and him really got talking because usually we'd go out, we'd just take my boat. It's got a little bit bigger of a motor. You can push more guys, get a little farther out there. So we sold his boat and went down and bought three layout boats. We we're going with the beaver tail boats. Can't remember exactly what ones they are. They're more of a little mud boat type thing, but they work great as layout boats with some paint on them. I've hunted out of uh, the BPS Grim Reapers and we're doing just as good in the beaver tails as the BPS. 
and they've been good boats. I, we killed, I don't even know how many limits we killed out of them right at the end of the season. They were good. I know that you told me you've estimated the total birds you've killed this whole season. Yes, it was what, around 200? No, I personally killed, there's probably like 130 just myself. That's between everyone else. I, dude, I couldn't even tell you. We had a really good season. I mean, I've had better seasons, I've had worse seasons, but I was happy with this year. That's, I know there's guys out there that go out and shoot two, three hundred birds a year, and you know what? I see it as if you're out having fun, it doesn't matter if you're killing birds or just having a good time. It's definitely about the experience of just being out in the outdoors. Um, if there's anybody out there that is looking to start getting their first boat or start putting it together, what are some things they should be looking for? Uh, you know, it really just depends. If, if when it comes down to getting a boat, I would say know what you're going to hunt. And anymore, I'm the way of bite the bullet and get the quality of motor. Exactly, I mean, you always say. Spend the money and cry once. Don't. Don't buy subpar things and have to cry over and over and over again because you're spending little amounts and getting subpar quality, but... I, I fully agree with that. Like, I've ran those Mudskipper shafts and that before, and the one I had, it was an older model, and I, I swear I was rebuilding that thing twice a season. Once after bow fishing and once after duck hunting. I was always having problems with it, and I'm hard on my stuff. I really am. I. I'm not, you know, let's take it easy. It's just go over here. I'm about, let's get to that next spot. Let's find somewhere new. Let's let's dig that extra mile. It's kind of like elk cutting, next ridge, next ridge, and then just go from there. And yeah, I, I'm a firm believer of Mud Buddy. I love their motors. I want to switch over to a hyperdrive through them, but that won't be till my next boat. And, yeah, really it just comes down to what you're going to hunt and what you plan on doing. Uh, boat maker here in Utah, I don't know if you guys have heard of Chuck Harris. Really good guy, owner of uh, Widowmaker Boats. Really good guy. He told me once these boats will take you as far as you're willing to go, put your life at risk, have something that you trust to get you out of there. So if you're going to be putting yourself in a situation, you're you could be in some serious danger, have something to get you out. What would you consider your most important tools while you're out duck hunting? Um, I always make sure, you know, I have, at least in the boat, stuff to, you know, I keep a dry box, extra dry jackets, socks, just stuff like that, because it does get cold. You, I run a dog, you're getting wet, pulling your dog in and out. I don't have a dog ramp yet, so it gets wet in the boat. And it just comes down to staying dry and doing what you can to continue to stay out there and be as safe and warm as you can. Yeah, guys, always make sure that you keep an extra set of clothing with you. We've said this over time and time again. Connor, tell them about what happened today. <laughs> so really this morning, y'all... No, Gibby, we've had him on a couple episodes. Uh, we all decided that we were going to drive down to the Provo River and go fly fishing. And I don't know if I've mentioned this before or not, but my waders have a leak up in the crotch in them. And we were flying out there fly fishing the Provo River. 
I know Zach, he, I don't even know if he fell in or what, but nah. I know you got your pants wet a little bit. Jumped in trying to get a lure. Oh, uh, yeah, he found a lure sitting there on the bank, and he jumped in trying to grab it. But I know that... I did uh, get it. I did get it. Not try. Did. He did. My bad. <laughs> but, uh, <clears throat> and then, you know, of course, my leaky waders, I got some of that ice-cold water. Keep in mind, it's probably high 20s, low 30s. It's snowing pretty good outside. It's about time we need some snow. Yeah. Utah's been starving for that snow. But I had that ice-cold water rush up into my waders, and I mean, that was probably three, four hours ago. My feet are still a little bit cold. Well... I, I luckily was able to get back home and we had an extra set of clothes there and I'm dry as a whistle now and I can tell you I am much more apt to be content, cold and dry, than cold and wet. Try to stay dry because the second you get wet things can become much, much, much more miserable. I know, do you have any experiences where you've had an accident out of the boat and gotten too wet to where you're just like, I'm, I'm done? So not in the boat, I usually, you know, do all right out of the boat. I do no dressing for the weather is one we were on deer hunt. When was that? Probably a year, maybe two ago, we were up on a ridge. I glassed up some deer and we made a, made a nasty decision to take that extra mile. I glassed up some big deer that were probably, I don't even know couple more miles back in I mean we already backpacked in we were pretty far in there and it was hot it was really hot during the muzzleloader hunt and it was calling for snow the next day so I was still expecting it to be fairly warm so I didn't grab all my heavy jackets and whatnot I just kept it nice and nice and light still staying pretty warm and we burned even farther in there got within 600 yards of the deer waiting for him to come out of bed and man did it get cold that wind kicked up up on that ridge and it was a cold day and we never got lucky enough the deer decided to go a different route after bed so we got packing out of there and was making our way back to camp and it started downpouring on us it was some ice cold rain and sure enough next morning it was dumping snow on us at that point, though, we were all dressed and ready for the warm weather. Yeah, that's... So, again, guys, plug. If ever in doubt, keep a little extra gear with you rather than going too light. It's worth the extra weight. I Gold. It is. I will, I will vouch for that every time. Um... As for just general duck hunting, do you have any advice for our listeners, you know, that might not know how to do it, what they're doing? Um, you know, my biggest thing is be different. That's you, Ducks are hunted all, statewide. They see a lot of the same stuff. I've argued this with people. They're like, oh, no, it's, you know, you can do this. I mean, you can. I, I'm not saying you... You can't do the same thing as, you know, the neighbor and his cat. You can do whatever you want, but once you really switch up and run a different different style, that's really helped me in the long run, changing out decoy patterns. 
I pull I pulled out all my mojos and stopped running mojos, found different ways of motion. I'm not really big on calling. I light whistles and that's really helped me, you know, really bring them in closer and get those finishing shots. I like to shoot them, you know, in your face right above the decoys. Those are my favorite types of shots. Yeah, I think that that has a lot, a lot of merit to it, guys. I mean, we we talk about things that are traditional. You know, usually on this podcast, we talk about what traditionally people do. Um, but I was researching stuff for our blind building episode, which we talked about last week with you guys, and. Uh, I came across the guy who said he never hooks all of his decoys in the same way. He'll hook half a dozen of them in the front, and he'll hook a dozen of them in the back, and then he'll hook six of them in the middle. Because when you have them all facing one way, that looks like an alerted bird flock. Yeah. And so it looks like they're going away. But if you have them hooked in different areas, then they're going to be facing all different areas, and then it looks like they're kind of just casually strolling around feet. And that, it comes down to, I think, too, is like, if you have the time to scout, you have the time to go out and look for birds. Uh, I know I do it with big game, too. Like, I, I believe in scouting all the way, and a lot of people, you know, don't really think about it. They're like, it's just birds. If you can scout for birds, scout for birds, because especially with geese, if I'm hunting a spot that I know has a lot of geese in it, and I have the time to take the drive, you know, watch them, see what they're doing during the day, see what times they fly, see what time they're moving. Go out there and check, go see what you can find. And I've spent two days straight driving in my truck looking for birds just to go out so we can get a get a good hunt. Yeah, I've talked about this a little bit before too. You know, as a delivery driver, I'm driving all over Salt Lake Valley, even outside the valley oftentimes. And I'm always keeping an eye open for birds. Um, one thing I've noticed is a majority of the waterfowl in Utah is they'll stick to the west side of the Salt Lake Valley because that's where all the water is at. That's where all the bird refuges are, the Great Salt Lakes are that way. Mm-hmm. A lot of birds, at least I know snow geese do that a lot, is they will fly, they fly up from Delta to Corinne, but they, they're not going to fly over the valley, they're going to fly out away from the airports. Snow geese aren't, at least from what I've seen in the migration, they don't really cut towards the airports a whole lot. They kind of stay to the west. So yeah, if I'm like up making deliveries up north, I see a whole bunch of geese come in. You know, I know that at, sooner or later, these geese are either gonna hit up the Great Salt Lake or Utah Lake. And so I can plan that out. Like, okay, if it's Thursday, I'm seeing all these geese here, either by tonight or tomorrow, they're gonna be a little bit south in Utah Lake or Great Salt Lake. It doesn't have to be going out to a two or three hour drive away hunting hole and sit there and scout it out. You can keep an eye open for birds wherever you're at. Yeah, and, and along with that, again guys, the tool that Connor and I use most probably for this is Onyx. Um, when I see birds in an area, and I feel like that's an area that I'd like to hunt this coming season, I'll put a mark on a waypoint on my Onyx maps. And, uh, you know, if you were to look on my Onyx maps, you can tell which areas I hunt pretty heavily and which areas I haven't yet found birds in. Um, the area I'm in, there's a valley 
and you can tell where you're allowed to hunt and where the valley meets the mountains because don't hunt a lot of geese or ducks up in the mountains. I just don't. Um, I hunted down the valley, but again, you get really close to cities, and so I've got all the areas I know that I can access publicly marked on my waypoints on Onyx. Yeah, Onyx is a good thing. We, uh, we'll scout for geese out on farm fields, and if you see a field, you know, a lot of geese in there, it never hurts to go talk to a farmer. I've offered trade work. I've, you know, offered money do what I can to help them. Sometimes they say no, sometimes they take your number down, card during the summer, go out, put some hard work in and get a field out of it. Yep. And it never hurts to, to pay those relationships and, and continue to use those relationships as a way to be able to continue that legacy. You know, we love hunting and we want others to be able to hunt too. And that's, I've got my best, best goose on ever set up that way as I did trade work with the guy and we went out and within an hour of leaving the truck, we were already back with a two-man limit ready to go home. It was it was a good hunt. So I got another question for you about uh, circling back to the duck boats. Um, you know, the people who are, who are looking to get into it, what are like some specs? Like, you know, I know you run a flat bottom boat. Um, what? stuff like that um, what should they be looking for really just comes down to like like I said knowing what you hunt I know guys that have run full-blown v-holes for like a little fishing boat for duck hunting with the motor on it those are you know great boats that do good in a little bit deeper of water but once you start getting shallow it digs deep and it's hard I I've always ran a modified V or a flat bottom they do a lot better they're gonna get best performance in mud and shallow water helps slide across that mud better that's yeah it just comes down to like i said knowing what you hunt it's like we told you listen you guys uh not too long ago zach and i his boat is a v-hole and you all heard about how that turned out on snake river and get out and push it a couple of times when it got too shallow so i was laughing at that story when you asked if you should throw your waders in that's one thing man if <laughs> Even if I'm just out fishing or something, I keep something in the boat. You know, if it's cold, I'll keep a pair of waders in the boat, bog boots. Just kind of, just depends, just to save you in that situation. Bow fishing, I usually just wear shorts. It's hot. Yeah, that's the lesson we learned the hard way. Yeah, we will definitely start keeping our waders in the boat. That was a mistake. But another mistake we made was not camouflaging in. That was. Uh, look, that was that be as hard that day, but um, as you guys have heard, there's a lot of different aspects that go into a successful duck hunt, and for those of you starting off just trying to get a boat, I mean honestly, any boat will work. You can make any boat work. Yeah, if there if there's a will, there's a way, man. I've seen some, I've seen some stuff out there duck hunting, kind of question, you know, like. How they came up with the idea, but I mean, if it works, man, use it. I mean, you don't. Thing is, is you don't have to have a boat either. I've had just as good of duck hunts walking out. Really, it just comes down to, you know, you gotta learn somehow. You're not gonna learn from sitting at home. You're not gonna learn, you know, 
reading a book. I mean, you're going to learn stuff, but until you get out and practice what you're doing, put the time in. Everything, you know, good hunts come out of time taken in. Yep. I think you know, we got a great example of that right here. You know, Zach, he's got this little tin dingy wheel with no motor. We still pull the birds out of it. Yep. And then Tyler's got a full setup on a mud boat and everything. And we kill lots of birds out of it too. So anything will work. Just depends on, you know, like I've said before, you can spend as little or as much money as you want hunting. And you'll still, you know, get the animals that you're after. Yeah, honestly guys, it comes to putting in time. It really does. Yeah. If you're if you're wanting to, to do it, there's a way to do it. I mean, I remember when I first wanted to start duck hunting, I, uh, I had a little single shot 12 gauge, and I went to my old man and I said, I want to learn how to duck hunt. And he turns to me and says, good for you. And I remember thinking, well, you're not going to take me out, you're not going to, you're not going to show me how to do it, like what? And I, I still remember my first duck. Uh, I talked to a, a landowner who had a private pond back behind his house. And he said I could go shoot some ducks off of it that day. And I got back there and three mallards flew. There was uh, two drakes and a hen. And I was so discouraged. I was still probably 40 yards away when they flew. And I kept walking up to this little pond just to see what was there. And I got about 20 yards from it and this little hen flew up. And I reaction shot and dropped her on the bank. And I was so freaking proud of that stupid duck. <laughs> and to this day, I mean, this season I wouldn't have been proud of that shot. That was the easiest shot in the world. That would have been one of you just kind of, eh, whatever. But it's one that I had to work every single second to figure out how to shoot her, how to get close enough. And, you know, since then we've got a lot of learning experiences that have taught us what to do and as this season will test, what not to do. Yeah, I see it as if you're not walking away from every season with something new in your back pocket to know what to try for next year, if you're not thinking about, all right, I messed up on this or birds aren't working to this spread, I'll get out and I'll move it. I'd rather, you know, lose birds that aren't coming in because my decoys are not right. You know, I'd rather be out there scaring them off because I'm fixing my mistake rather than pray for something to work. It just doesn't work that way. Like you said, if there's a will, there's a way. I remember, I want to say it was my third deer. My truck was broke down. I had no vehicle at the time. Well, I called my buddy up and he had a Mazda 3 little, little car. And I didn't think we were going to kill nothing, but we drove out super close. You know, we were able to get his car to where we were hunting. Got out and hiked and not even 20 minutes later, I had a deer dead and we got it home. guys it's just about experience learning what works for you I mean Connor and I have done things that wouldn't work for anyone else because we just had sheer dumb luck and I'm sure you've tried things that wouldn't work for anyone else and I man I've had some stupid luck I was gonna say knowing you Tyler you've probably done things that nobody else would think to try I <laughs> yeah I have done some interesting things but that's what it comes down to is you gotta, you gotta figure it out because we don't hunt your guys' area, you don't hunt ours. We don't hunt your area, you don't hunt ours, but we'd like to. Okay. And you let's know... Set, let's set that up. You know more about this area than we do, and we've got some ideas about our area that you don't, and that's coming with 
not only local knowledge but experience. Yeah, that's all. That's the most important thing, guys. Go out and get your experience. Put in some legwork. I know it's hard. I know it can be discouraging, but if you will consistently put in effort, results will show. I fully agree with that one. That's yeah. At the end of the day, it it comes down to you know what. If you want it bad enough, you'll you'll make it happen. Like back to my first boat, I never had a trailer for it. We wanted to go bow fishing. We strapped that to the hood of a car and we, uh, well, we were on the, the roof of the car, man. It, we got it there. We dragged down the hill and we were we were bow fishing. Then it worked. It worked. Sometimes so. you got to redneck it a little bit. Hey, if it works, it works. That's yeah. If you can make it work, make it work. That's exactly right. Like back to the boat thing, I. I've run across guys that duck hunt kayaks. They've had big boats and they've sold their boats to go buy kayaks. And I'm actually wanting to buy a kayak to keep, you know, if I'm hunting spot that gets cut off by land, but I know there's a good little river that takes me to a good pocket. I'll throw the kayak on the front of my boat just to save my legs, get out there and give it a whirl. Yeah. Well guys, we hope you learned something. This has been a really fun podcast to make, and we hope you guys enjoyed it and learned. But um, you can find all of our stuff, and we'll be posting uh, some pictures and some success from last year's hunt by Tyson. Tyler. Tyler, sorry. No, but he did. Um, and we're going to post pictures of his boat that he's currently working on and wanting to get it modded up. So, anyway, you can find our posts at Instagram at Hunger for the Outdoors with the number four. Um, Facebook, Hunger for the Outdoors with the number four. And you guys can always email us with any questions or concerns or even if you'd like an episode of a specific nature, email us. We'd love to cater to that. Um, and our email is hunger, the number four, the outdoors at gmail.com. But until next time, I'm Zach. I'm Melissa. I'm Connor. I'm Kayla. And I'm Tyler. And we will see you guys next time.